0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Seeking the direction of the Lord Uh, this morning, what direction He would have. I feel feel like in the Holy Ghost I need to go this route just standing upon the testimony was given brother Alex and we're so thankful we're so thankful uh, for that appreciative of that and uh, I would by no means want to change the dynamics of that in any way shape form or fashion and so Please, as I stand here today, I do not stand up here as the dark cloud that comes in the sky to take away your sunshine, all right? But I do believe it's important that we have some clarification in this thing that we call the body of Christ in the church. And that is God doesn't always, and I use that word with, 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 with meaning and importance, God doesn't always bring deliverance. Is this okay? Because as, and and, and again, and and I appreciate the testimony. We need to hear testimonies like that. We we need to hear the stories of deliverance. We need that. We also need to hear the stories whenever deliverance doesn't come. And and again, please, I I am not being menacing or anything in in what I'm saying because I, I know how it is to be in the position to hear somebody else be delivered and me still in my dilemma. Okay, listen, that may have started before theirs did. And yet still going on after theirs is already turning in a proper direction. And I know the Mason family understands my intent here this morning. But I feel like the word of the Lord spoke to me this week concerning that particular concept and idea. If you'll turn to Jeremiah 27. And with that being said folks that does not that does not mean we resign ourselves to a place of stop praying for deliverance bishop that does not, does not mean we resign ourselves to a place of just stop praying for deliverance Jeremiah 27 I'm getting out a few Bibles here because I know I under, the one that I'm reading right now, I underlined in and made some notations in the, in the border of this year, uh, mom, Wilson, grandpa Holland has come to the pulpit with me several times. Amen. Jeremiah 27. And I want to read, I want to read, let me start with verse number eight, if I may, 27 and verse number eight. It shall come to pass that the nation and kingdom which will not serve the same Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, that will not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Babylon, That nation will, I punish it, the Lord, with the sword and with the famine and with pestilence until I have consumed them by his hand. Now go down to verse number 10. Now, you, you're understanding what's taking place here. He's saying a nation, he's basically speaking to Israel. He says, Israel, if you don't put yourself under the servitude of the king of Babylon, you're going to face some very harsh things famine, pestilence, plague. Yet by putting themselves, brother Fred, under the servitude of Babylon, they're going to suffer some things as well. He says in verse number 10, for they prophesy a lie unto you. There were some that were speaking to them, prophets that were saying, don't serve Babylon. That's what they were saying. Don't do that. Don't put yourself under the servitude of Babylon. Some were prophesying that. He said, for they prophesy a lie unto you to remove you far from your land that I should drive you out and you should perish. Look at verse 11. This is where I want to springboard from today, I believe. But the nations that bring their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, those will I let remain still in their own land, saith the Lord. They shall till it and dwell therein. Verse 12, I speak also to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live so we know today by God's word we oftentimes look at this side of it sometimes God brings deliverance David even said that many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivereth them out of them all so we understand that sometimes these things happen by deliverance i want to minister to you this morning basically this and sometimes by restoration and sometimes by restoration hallelujah jesus i come to you this morning God, I appreciate you, and I need you, Lord Jesus, in the next little while, God, as I, Lord, share, Lord, with these people what you would have for us on this Sunday morning. God, we're grateful, Lord, for the testimonies. We're grateful, Lord Jesus, God, for the stories, Lord, as it were, Lord Jesus, of deliverance. And God, perhaps others, Lord, that are sitting here today, God, with hands folded. Lord, God, needing Lord Jesus, God, a particular deliverance as well. I pray, oh, Lord, you're able to speak, Lord, into the lives of your people. God, for some, Lord, particular reason, God, along the way, the past few weeks, Lord, we've been, Lord, circling our lives around these concepts of what people are going through or where they are. And, God, we just, Lord, give ourselves unto you again, Lord, that your purpose, Lord, would be done, God, and it would serve, Lord, an ultimate purpose, Lord Jesus, in our lives. God, we'll honor you and praise Praise you Lord for what you accomplish here today in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray and the church say amen amen you may be seated this morning the lovely name of the Lord and sometimes by deliverance or and sometimes by restoration it seems to be very peculiar this morning That Jeremiah, the man of God, and he was given a particular law in life as a prophet. A prophet that spent all of his days, as it were, prophesying something that, by and large, the people never listened to. The weeping prophet, then, is what we call him as a result of that. Dismayed from uttering words that no one would heed, yet he stayed faithful to his post. Supposed to prophesy and speaking what God had spoken to him. And so it's in this prophecy that he is giving unto the nation of Israel. They are on the very cusp of being taken into Babylonian captivity. We understand that. We understand their stay there will be for 70 years. Jeremiah, though, in this is speaking to the nation of Israel and he is giving them some instruction concerning uh, this whole scenario that is to happen to them. He's letting them know that uh, they're fighting, they're, 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 they're getting weaponry together, and, and fighting against Nebuchadnezzar and the nation of Babylon is really just going to add insult to injury for what's going to come upon them. Uh, Jeremiah seems to relay unto the children of Israel that their their, their fighting against the inevitable was not going to be of any real benefit to them. They were going to go into captivity. They were, according to the word of the Lord, going to be overtaken by Babylon. They were going to be under the hand of a king of Nebuchadnezzar who was the king of Babylon. And so he was basically telling them, with this taking place, with this going to happen, he says, I'm telling you that you would be better off if you would just bend your neck to the yoke that Babylon and the king of Babylon is going to place upon you. Now, I'm here to tell you today that as Christians, as people, this goes against our nature. Yeah. As Christians and child children of God, this goes against nature. Uh, who we are in, in many regards, it goes against what we've been taught. In our churches, growing up in our churches, it's a hard concept to wrap our minds around that usually, whenever there is an adversary or there is an enemy that wishes to oppose us or oppose the church, the response then that we've been taught, whether it's been a taught response or a learned response is this, you buck against it. You, you buck against it. It's things like uh, sickness and disease. When they come, we do those very things. We, 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 we don't give up. We don't give in. We go forward. Anything that's an unfavorable circumstance, you're going to show up on my doorstep, and you think that you're not going to have a fight on your hands, then you got another thing coming. Amen. If the enemy is involved in this, if there's an adversary involved in this, then we deem it absolutely a a cause that is worth fighting for and going forward. But here, God has made Israel's enemy. Here is the difference in this matter. The Bible says, you read a few verses earlier, that the Bible says that God has made Israel's enemy his servant. This is just not some arbitrary enemy out here that is coming against the children of Israel to make their lives miserable. But this is an enemy that is found in the hands of God. This is an enemy that is is serving, if you will, the, the purposes and the will of God. Not their own will, not their own purpose, But the will of the Lord, Israel's enemy, has become the servant of God. And so God then tells his children, I have an enemy that's against you, but that enemy is my servant. You're going to be placed under some hardships. You're going to be placed in some years of captivity. You're going to experience some things that's going to go totally against who you are as a nation. It's going to get very uncomfortable. But my word of comfort to you is this. That enemy is my servant. Amen. That enemy is my servant. And so Israel with this in mind that that enemy is my servant. I'm asking you to bend your neck. I'm asking you to lower your head and allow the yoke, if you will, of this enemy to be placed upon you. Allow the yoke, if you will, of Babylon to be placed upon you. And Jeremiah basically tells them, when you do this, and listen, folks, when you do this, he says you are going to, by all means, be allowed to remain in your land. You're going to be allowed to remain in your land. Verse 11 tells us, and he says, you're going to be able to till it. You're going to be able to dwell there. In other words, you're going to be able to remain in your land, and you're going to have some preservation. Amen. Still yet, though, the yoke being heavy upon your shoulders, life is going to be preserved. Someone say amen. Amen. I don't believe for a moment uh, God in telling Israel to do this meant that he believed that this nation uh, could not be a little bit disagreeable with what was going on, a, a, a little bit uncomfortable with what was taking place a little bit overwhelmed, if you will, with sorrow for this happening in their life. I don't believe that they had to necessarily endorse everything that they were going to go through or everything that they were going to experience. But I think this was a call to Israel just to have some patient endurance. I believe God telling them just to drop your neck and allow that yoke to come upon you. Well, it's not that you got to be okay with everything that's going on, but I'm just asking you, Israel, to have patience with me. So say amen. Oh, one of the hardest things in the world is just to have patience with God doing the work. Amen. With God doing work. Have a little patience with me, Israel, in this matter. Amen. Don't, don't try to do anything necessarily on your own. To, don't try to flee from it. Amen. None of that's going to affect any type of true change for you. Just have a little patience with me. Amen. Some of the greatest moments of frustration in the life of a Christian is this. Some of the greatest challenges that we'll face in life as a Christian is this. Is when the answer to our prayers... About some type of evident evil against us, wrong, sickness, disease, financial woe, whatever it may be, is whenever we're not getting the answer. Huh? When you pray and you pray and you put forth, if you will, the effort to contact heaven about where you are, what you're going through, what you're contending with, and you don't hear an answer. Yet you go continuously to prayer and, and you do everything you know to do within your, your means and your power. You fast, you pray, you cry out to God, you have others pray with you, and still yet you have no answer. And then by virtue of not having no answer, we start assuming the answer is no, uh, and not necessarily not now someone doing okay this morning? No, and not now. And so it's very difficult being on this side rather than God's side. Being on this side, it's difficult to bend our neck. And to accept or rather at least submit to a yoke we don't believe fits us as a Christian. Because I'm just telling you, the mind frame that I know that I grew up in because was mind frame is this. Christians are never supposed to be sick. Christians are never supposed to have any disease come up on their body. I'm just telling you that the, 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 my generation of growing up, are never supposed to have anything negative or evil that happened to them. And that's what's blindsided a lot of new converts. Because they come in the church with this myth that nothing's never supposed to go wrong after you come to know the Lord and the first thing that comes after they become a convert is that the doors of the dam open up and the waters of affliction and heartache and dismay overwhelm them and take them like did I sign up for this huh and yet God is telling his nation the one that he chose the one that he said was his treasure he said I'm asking you to take this damnable yoke upon your neck. I want you to take this thing upon your neck. I know you don't think it fits you because you're my chosen. I know, it, I know you believe that maybe you're above or beyond this because you're my chosen, but I'm asking you to submit to this yoke. It's, it's, an ad, it's an adverse attack, as it were, against you, but take this yoke upon you. It's not outside of the scope of you being my people to have this hardship on your life. Right? Come on now. Come on back. Cool. It's It's all right. Sir. He says, the enemy's in my hand. What he's bringing to you, he's being servant to me by bringing it to you. Exactly right. I, listen, if I understand what I'm talking about today. It's not something none of us want to wrap our minds around or say, yes, that's right. preacher." But I'm telling you, it's just God's word. He says this, this adversary is in my hand. He's putting something on you, and I'm asking you just to place this upon your neck. Amen. Be subjected to this. You're my people, but be subjected to this. Be subjected to this. He is my servant. They are just not doing this of their own accord. He is my servant. But God, he's shaking things up just a little bit. He says, whenever you do this, you're going to find peace in doing it. What? Uh He says, if you do this, you're going to find peace in doing it. You're going to be allowed to remain in your land, till it and farm it. You're going to find peace. In allowing this or, if you will, subjecting yourself to this coming upon your life. Listen to me. I'll tell you just, just a tidbit from a little bit of experience, but listen to me. Sometimes things come into our life and we can have the most disruption of frustration and being out of peace because we're so upset with what's going on. And we get that entitlement feeling, this shouldn't be happening to me. And so there's no peace in that. And God told Israel, he said, if you'll just subject yourself to it, he said, you can be going through a horrible place, but you can still, if you'll subject yourself to it, find a place of peace in it, because this isn't just the enemy doing it on his own. He is my servant. This, This is not a popular message this morning. I understand this is not a popular message this morning. But I'm telling us today, some of us may find our peace in subjecting ourselves to what we are going through. Exactly. Yes, sir. That's right. This will not get the popular. This is not the best sermon of the year. No one wants to, you know, no one wants to rally around this. But I'm telling you the truth this morning. He said, you'll find peace if you subject yourself from it. Not only that, you'll find preservation. All right. He said, if you don't, the verses said, if you don't subject yourself to this. He says, you'll be taken by famine. You'll be taken by the sword. You'll be taken by the plague. He said, but if you can subject yourself to this, he said, there will be preservation that would come. Amen. And it's going to come from your ability to endure. Amen. It's going to come from your ability to endure. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if we could apply uh, the psalmist David, what he said. They said that whenever a man's ways please the Lord. He'd make his enemies even be at peace with him. And in order for there to be peace, you got to be peace in both directions, I guess. But whenever a man's ways please the Lord, he'll even make you be at peace with your enemies. He'll even make you come to a place of solitude and rest in the middle of your dilemma. Amen. Not only would one, not only would an individual or the nation of Israel be at peace, but the Bible says... You're not going to go anywhere else. You're not going to be moved. You're going to remain on your own soil. Furthermore, look what he said. You're going to till your land. You're going to farm. And from farming, you're going to have some type of produce. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. The enemy is my servant. He's putting a yoke upon you. If you will submit to the yoke, he said, I'll give you peace. Not only that, I'll allow you to be productive. I'll allow you to be productive in the middle of your captivity, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your woe. I'll allow you to till the land and bring forth fruit right in the middle of it. All. But you've got to subject yourself to what I'm doing. Someone say amen. He says you've got to subject yourself to what I am doing. Now, look, I'm telling you, because the alternative is dying by the sword. Dying by famine. Dying by the plague. That's the alternative to this whole situation. Amen. And here is the case, what Jeremiah was up against. He was up against lying prophets. Right, guess he was. Lying prophets. Telling the people, you will not be carried away to Babylon. No. You will not be carried away. You will not be there 70 years. Telling the people, hey, listen. There's some vessels. You can read it in the story. There's some vessels that's in the temple of God that had been taken prior to this. There had been some instruments and vessels in the temple that had already been carried away by Nebuchadnezzar. And so some were carried away and there were some that still yet remained in the temple of the house of the Lord. And these prophets came telling them, don't worry about those other vessels in the temple or the house of God. They're going to remain. They're not going to be taken away. As a matter of fact, the other vessels that had been taken before this, they're going to return soon. They're going to return soon. And so those people began to fall prey to the false prophets, thinking, you know what, we're not going to be carried away, and whatever has been taken from the house of God is going to be returned very, very soon. They were being sowed a myth that everything, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. You're not going to lose family. You're not going to lose friends. You're not going to lose anything out of the temple. Everything's going to be fine. Those things are going to be returned soon. You're not going to have to experience hardship. You're not going to have to experience loss. Hey man, you should not have to deal with any of this negativity that Jeremiah is talking about. You shouldn't have to deal with leaving, hey amen, your land or anything happening to you. This is not going to be something long drawn out. It's going to be short to the point. Blah 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 blah. Boom. Everybody doing okay today? Come on, Come on. It's all right. But what God? is emphasizing in the scripture here in Jeremiah to his people. See, they had been a people that had been spoiled with deliverance. Their birth as a nation from Egypt was on the idea and concept of deliverance. God sending a deliverer by the name of Moses to help get those people up out of Egypt early on from the very birth of this nation. Going in as 70 souls and coming out 400 or so years later as a nation came on the, if you will, heels of deliverance. And so deliverance had been a way of life for the Israelites what is it even walking through the wilderness you don't have no water we bring water deliverance you have no food fine we'll call manna from heaven boom there it is deliverance we go to another place you you, you your water's bitter you can't drink it that's fine there's a tree throw it in boom water's clean deliverance yeah. you see the type of appetite that Israel got accustomed to when there's a problem we cry out to God God boom yeah, that's right. Come on. That's deliverance 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 Deliverance, And so you can see if that type of appetite happens in the nation of Israel, it isn't difficult for them to get spoiled by the concept that we call God answers type mentality. We say, "Here, Lord, to it, and he does it. So much so that just whatever we need at any time, any dilemma that shows up, we'll just holler into God and God will deliver us. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 27 and verse number 22, He says, they shall be carried to Babylon, and there shall they be until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord. He says, the enemy is my servant. They're going to be under Babylonian captivity until I visit them. He says, then will I bring them up and restore them to this place. God wanted to change a dynamic in the mindset of the children of Israel. They only know me as a God of deliverance. They only know me as a God that they pray to, and boom, the answer comes. They only know me as a God when there's no water, I'll bring it. No food, I'll bring it. When they're in bondage, I'll bring it. That's what their life has been built upon. He said, but I'm going to take them to another level. I'm not just a God of deliverance. I am a God of restoration, meaning everything can be saved. Subtracted from you. You can lose everything that you got. And you may never have deliverance. But I have the power to add back to your life. Everything that's been subtracted. I have the power. Sometimes he delivers. And sometimes he restores. We all want the testimony of deliverance. But sometimes there's going to be people in this audience that go through the testimony of restoration. That's right. yeah. See, at restoration, you're going to have to lose everything. You yes, yeah, listen to what I'm talking to you about. Yes, you at restoration, you're going to have to go almost to the point of no return. Yeah. And it's not that he, he delivered you from the dilemma or delivered you from the sickness or delivered you from the issue, but he restores you. I don't like talking about this tonight. But for instance, the Sheila McGee, that's a story of restoration. That's a story of restoration. That's restoring somebody's health back, restoring the strength back, restoring, if you will, some of a normalcy of life back. Oh, Brother McGee, but we have God. I know it folks. We do have a God. But God wants to open up our mind and our concept that not only can He deliver you, if He needs be, He can restore. Deliverance might be keeping you from something. Deliverance might get you out of something. But restoration is just like the creative act in the book of Genesis. God can start with absolutely nothing and build back upon that and bring something into existence. Someone say yes. He says, I want you all to know that I can restore you to this place. And I believe that's where the rub was for Israel. Because they got accustomed to a diet of their God being a deliverer. And God was trying to show them another facet of himself. I'm also a restorer. But you'll never know me as a restorer if you don't bend your neck and subject yourself to what I'm putting you through right now. Someone say amen. God wanted to reveal another aspect of Himself, an aspect of restoration. You know, as I as I pan the pages with my fingers, I see a lot of stories of deliverance in the Old Testament. Really do. I see a lot of stories that that, that we relive and we we preach about an underscore of deliverance. But you know, there are some smatterings, if you will, of stories that I see maybe perhaps even more so in New Testament Scripture of where God sought to restore rather than deliver. God has the ability, and did. God has the ability to take a person, put them under the yoke of the adversary, his servant, and while there, prosper the person he put there. Make productive the person that he put there. And on the surface, Sister Margaret, it may seem like a disadvantage. On the surface, it may seem, and we might cry out, God, this is unfair. But when God is using the enemy as his servant, let me tell you something, he's doing it to accomplish the glory for himself in some manner. And in some way. He meant things are going to be taken away from them. Contrary to the false prophets. They were going to suffer affliction. Contrary to the false prophets of their own land. But God had a promise that he would. Eventually in his time. Evidently not soon. Restore unto them everything that they had lost. Restore every freedom that they had lost. And so God's saying bend your neck submit not because God's going to deliver you but because God can restore so I say to those families and the members of this congregation today that have been sitting over the wing waiting if you will on your deliverance waiting for your story to be told and the celebration the confetti to fly I'm here to tell you today God may have and I'm not God but God may have just another aspect for you it might get down to the bare wire and God want to do a ministry of restoration for your life but along the journey if you'll just keep on submitting to the yoke if you'll just keep on submitting to the hardship. God will give you peace in that. God will make you productive in that and in his time he can roll back the time if you will and restore everything you may have You know what God's doing for Israel? I'm preparing you for a time in the book of Joel when the locust is going to cover the land and the palmer worm and the canker worm and it's going to take everything as it would seem of the fruit of the vine and of the field away from you and it takes everything. But I tell you in that day as he did in Joel's day, he said, I will restore back into you what the canker worm, what the palmer worm, what all those things have taken. How could they depend upon the word of God for that because back in Jeremiah in captivity God told them I'm not just a deliverer I'm a restorer of my people you can bake on it That being said, with that being said, folks, we got to be careful of what we say when people are in situations. We see just a chapter later in Jeremiah 28 that man, by Hen and I, Bishop, do you have a hanky? I want to borrow it. I'll give it back to you. I'll give it back to you as soon as I'm done. Hen and I came telling Jeremiah and the people of Israel, it's under this yoke, that in two years, the yokes will be broken. The things taken from the temple will be returned. Let me pastor here for a moment. Please do not use the phrase, the Lord said lightly around here. Or that thus saith the word of the Lord. Those are some terms. Those are some terms you don't need to use lightly. I've met some people that every word that comes out of their mouth is thus saith the Lord. Oh, man, I'm so glad that they walk so in tune with God. If you hear me say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And if I don't, I'll tell you I'll feel like. We we can breathe things into other people's lives in our church, you know. I was praying the other day, and I felt like God was telling me this is going to be, it's just going to be just this, this just, just going to be just a little blip on the radar here in just a couple weeks. Let me ask you, sir or ma'am, when those two weeks are by and nothing has happened, you went on with your life. You all find the good, aren't you? But what do you think's combating up in their brain? You know what that breeds? That breeds disbelief in a God that never spoke to you. They're doing a little pastoring here. Just, just a little pastoring. Because they never thought twice whenever two or three weeks went by, did you never say what you said that supposedly God said? Ananias shows up on his wild steed. Saying two years, the yoke's going to be broken. Doesn't just tell it to Jeremiah. And we went, we went to blundering around preaching now for a little teaching. He didn't just speak to Jeremiah. He spoke to Jeremiah and the people. Here's some wisdom. Here's what I really like for you to do. Next time you want to give someone a perceived word, run it by your pastor first. Isn't it a fancy thing for me to find out what God's told you the moment that the person that supposedly God told it to you found it out as well? And we're both standing as deer in headlights. And if you say God said it, I'm not going to argue with God. But I'll argue with you in my office if you tell me that God said it. And I feel otherwise. But in the eyes of the people, I won't argue. You say God said it, God said it, glory. Time will tell. He said, two years, it's going to be broken. All these things are going to return. <clears throat> but here, Jeremiah, he didn't take a private setting. He rebutted. He said, you want to share that information open? He said, I'll rebut open. He said, there's been, this is what Jeremiah said. You can read it. Jeremiah 20. He said, there's been many a prophets. That's what Jeremiah said. There's been many prophets in years gone by. Prophesied of the war that we're seeing right now. The famine that's come up on the land. The plague that's come up on the land. He said, but basically most prophets were only considered true. This is, you can read the, 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 the Old Testament. Most prophets were only considered true if they spoke positive or good things to the people. That's the way it was. He said, if a prophet came bearing a prophecy that spoke well of, positive, of, favorable toward whatever was going on, my God, he's, a pro, he's heard from God. But if a man come bearing something, maybe a sign of a warning or some realignment, He's false. Bless God. He's false. He don't always talk about war. That's not going to happen because people are always willing to accept God to say something good and yet not something corrective. And so here comes Hananiah with his flowery speech of, man, this is something positive. This is something that's going to go. And Jeremiah said, "We've we've we've had this before. We've had guys come through and speak good things and people accept it. But you know what? That is not not the moment of truth about whether or not they are a prophet. He basically then tells the people and this gentleman this very thing. He says, here's what deems a true prophet. And that is when his words come to pass. When the prophet's words come to pass, you can deem that prophet a true prophet. He said, but if his words don't come to pass. So we don't deem what's good prophet or not good prophet based upon what the prophecy is. We do it based upon the prophecy coming to fruition, the prophecy coming to pass. And so here the spirit of the Lord then speaks to Jeremiah. And he says, he said, their yokes shall not be wooden yokes that can be broken off by the capability of a man. He said, they will be yokes of iron. And Jeremiah told Hanani, he said, this is boldness of Jeremiah he looked at Hananiah with everything that he just said and he said God did not send this man Folks, you want to talk about eating humble pie when you just said thus saith the Lord in two years the yokes are going to be broken and everything's going to return and then the man of God looks at you and says God didn't send him God did not send the man, but this is what he told. This is what he told then to that man. He said, but basically thanks to you, and read it in verse 15 to Jeremiah 28, but thanks to you, this people are now relying on what's false. I said all that to say this today. As a kid growing up, as a kid growing up, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we had people in pulpits that were, that were they wanted deliverance. They wanted the, 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 the action, the turnaround of deliverance. But deliverance didn't always come. And they were, they were handed then a bag of confusion for the people to contend with, well, what's the problem then? Deliverance didn't happen for my family. And that's all that was ever preached, and no one ever preached the idea of a Restoration. So I, I don't want in my generation just to stand up here and just preach deliverance, deliverance, deliverance for everybody that doesn't get deliverance then to stare back at me and lose their faith in God because deliverance, didn't did, they weren't delivered out of their affliction or delivered from their affliction but may still be in their affliction and going down a very slow, subtracting time in their life. I want to stand up here hanging with, with a very grand and omnipotent God and tell you that he is a God of both deliverance and restoration. And in the moment where he may not deliver you, he may have restoration for you. Because if deliverance doesn't happen and restoration does, you know what you can go away with? still with your confidence. still with your confidence in your God. Furthermore, folks, and I we again we don't like preaching this, but furthermore, we say, well, Brother McGee, that's fine. But there's other times that there wasn't deliverance and there wasn't restoration. And there's been people that's been taken from this earth. They've been taken from this earth and they died with their affliction. They died with their dilemma. I don't like talking about this any more than you do, but and this is not being crude, and this is not being rude. But if they died with their affliction, they got their deliverance, and they got their restoration. If they are a child of God, been born again of the water and the Spirit, and they took a sickness that took them to death, God didn't deliver them in this life, but he delivered them from this life to another life, and their body on that great day shall be whole. There will be no sign. Amen. You'll stand for me today. Sometimes it's by deliverance. Sometimes it's also by restoration. You know what we're going to do? You know what we're going to do as a church family? We're going to rejoice with them that rejoice. We'll weep with them that weep. What that means, Brother Terry McGee, is if someone gets the deliverance while I'm waiting on restoration, I'm going to rejoice. With the one who got deliverance. And when restoration comes maybe further down the pike for that one. We're going to rejoice. With the restoration. And maybe weep with them during their time of dismal and sorrow. As they're submitting themselves to the yoke. That God has asked them to submit to. I know. No one wants to agree with me this morning. They're afraid that you're going to have a story of restoration that comes in your life. Your agreement or disagreement is not going to change whatever it is that's going may or may not happen for you. But hopefully it will give us an understanding. But you know what? Every prayer isn't answered in an instant. Sometimes there's long delays. And sometimes we'll suffer the loss as it would seem to our natural self of everything. God just wants to show us that you don't have to have anything in order for me to restore back into you what you had You can ask some of these families you can ask them to give, give, ask them about their story of restoration when they go tell you there's whistling just every morning and just yeah man no big deal no, probably not but god tried to preserve him came to church sat on the back pew because maybe prone to something and that even got old after a while so she said i'm coming up here fill you on this stuff how in the world could you do that somewhere there was a certain level of comfort that said i just got to live Deliverance didn't come. She had treatment. Right? A lot of treatment. Deliverance didn't. She didn't just go on one day, say, Oh, we're not gonna have to go treatment. Hallelujah. Things fine. Go home. We would rejoice rejoiced if that had been the case. But you know what? There are a lot of days, a lot of trips to Evansville. Several helped drive at times. Evansville brought back and forth. She went through years even after remission, you know, sickness, body just not always. But this morning. She's back here for kids. Doing something she loves. Eight years later. Or is that right? Teaching. Young kids, that is the product of a restorative. I'm asking you this morning, if we can just bow our heads in this place, I'm asking you today, if you feel the yoke, as it were, of an adversary of oppression upon your life, through whatever venue it may be, it may very well be that God has made that adversary, that problem, that situation, He may have made that thing His servant. It's doing what it's doing because God has that enemy in his hand as his servant. And God's saying, sir or ma'am, please just bow your neck to the yoke. Please just bow your neck to the yoke. I'll bring you peace. It'll be heavy, but I'll bring you peace. I allow you to witness some productivity in your spiritual life if you'll bear it. It may not turn around soon. You may not see no swords glistening in the air that bear testimony to your soon approaching deliverance. It may be long. It may be arduous. But understand this, that your God is able to restore. I know you've seen my delivering hand before. I know you've witnessed that. I know you've been benefited by that. But that's not going to be my means this time. Deliverance is not going to be my means this time. This time I want you to see my restorative power. This time I want you to see my restorative power. If there's anybody in this place this morning that feels the yoke upon their neck, God is here today. God is here today.